Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. This piece of scripture declares the Lordship of Christ, of our Lord. If, if someone is your Lord, then you choose to follow. You choose to obey. You choose to submit. You choose to do according to his will and desire. If you call somebody Lord, then your life is not your own. Your life belongs to him. And uh, that is the definition of, of being in his kingdom. If you have made him your Lord, and if you live in submission to him, then you are in his kingdom. Kingdom literally means rulership. The rule of. So, last time we spoke about this Philippians um, we sort of ended with this, the Lordship of Christ. And then Paul goes on and he now speaks about how to live in this, how to live in or under the Lordship of Christ. And, and it's quite interesting that what he's busy with here is he's, he's talking to a congregation where there are many quarrels among themselves. There's disunity. And, and he's using all of this to bring them back into unity. Because at the moment, in the city of Philippi, uh, it is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, uh, sort of in our terms, international kind of city. There are people from all, all kinds, all places. It's a, it's a very strategic city. 
uh, that goes into a uh, sort of a gateway. So it, it, it's a city where a lot of trading is taking place. So everyone that's got something to trade comes and lives there. It's sort of like Vintuk for us, you know. Like you have to go through Vintuk to go anywhere in Namibia. Just like you had to go through this town to go anywhere in the Persian um, area. So, so there were a lot of different people there. And Paul's problem is, is that the gospel of God is not correctly being proclaimed because there are quarrels among the people. So he says to them, follow the example of Christ. Follow the example of the one who is everything and made himself nothing to serve and to obey God. But he then proclaims and ascertains his, his lordship. So now he says, uh, in the New Living Translation, it doesn't actually have that word, but in the other translations, then the next verse starts with a therefore. It starts with, with a therefore, which means that based on what I've just told you, now go and Therefore, dear friends, as you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard. Say with me, work hard. hard. Not just float through. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You might not even recognize this this verse, but it's the very, very well-known verse that says, Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. We quote this a lot. eh? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Work hard. And I like this translation that says, says, um, Show, to show the result. Show the result of your salvation. Uh, I also read it, I read this in so many translations. I also like what the Passion Translation says. Continue to make this new life fully manifested. This new life that you have received in Christ. This new creation that you have become. If we go look at what Christ has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, past. The new has come. God has changed you. He has literally not not sort of fixed you up. He made you new, a new creature altogether. But now Paul says, now that, that God has done this, now that you have been reborn, a new creation, a new person in Christ, Now you must make this new life fully manifested. Which implies that it's possible for us to not fully manifest what God has made us. It's possible for us to just sort of stay stuck in the old ways of things. The old man can still come and, you know, show his face or his facade or his whatever can come out. And who, Vital did believe, who's experienced that before? The old man coming out. Yes. 
I feel like I'm experiencing it more and more and more. I don't know what's going on. There's this, of nie meer experience nie, but I become more aware of it. It's like the, 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 the more I walk with the Lord and, and, the, 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 and uh, last week, not last week, I was gone last week in the hunting felt. Hunting nothing. <laughs> good start. Eight stuppy, yes, yes, eight stuppy. It was a good eight stuppy. It was very good. Um, but the previous week before, uh, when I spoke, Linky came to me afterwards and she said, It's actually such a good thing that you're also still working uh, while you're sort of leading the church or, or, or ministering because you're staying in touch with what like real people experience. Because I think it's very difficult for pastors who sort of stay in this bubble of, you know, you wake up and you just go and spend time with the Lord and you're in the presence of God all the time. And, and it's like, you know, when you go and speak to people or when you have coffee with people, it's always about, you know, heavenly stuff. But for the past two years, I've been like in the real world and experiencing a lot of stuff, a lot of frustrations, a lot of, you know, what other people experience, stresses and, 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 and things like that. So, and the more I experience it, the more I actually realize how human I still am. But also the more I realize how much I still need to grow in my maturity as a believer. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think we forget sometimes that we need to grow in maturity, and that we need to, to, to work out. But the good news is that he says here, work out your salvation, and he does not say, work for your salvation. The good news is that God has already done it. He has already changed us from the inside out. He's already made us a new person. He's already made us into the image of Christ. Nee? I but let's quickly read this, like one of my favorite verses. Uh, Peter. Second Peter 1, verse 3 says, By His divine power, God has given us, past tense, already done. It's a done deal. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That you have given me, that you have bestowed in me, that you have put in me, that you have changed me. And I think maybe we should start praying like this as well. Instead of us saying, God, please change me. God, please make me better. God, please. Say, Thank you that you have already done that within me. That you have already given me godliness. That you have already given me everything I need for living a godly life. A life. And a godly knife would be nice. I like knives. <laughs> we have received all of this 
By coming to know Him. Ne? By re being reborn. Coming to know Jesus Christ and acknowledging who He is. The one who called us to Himself. Wow. Daar wat Philip gesê het. He saw you, he knows you, and he called you to himself. One who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Not my marvelous glory and excellence, his marvelous glory and excellence. He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Thank you, Lord, that this is what you have already done. Now Paul comes and he says to them, Therefore, because Christ has already done it, because He has already given Himself, as a sacrifice for us, because He has already paid the price and freed us from the dominion of sin and darkness. Therefore now, you go and you work out. Go and live from this truth that you have already been made in the image of Christ. Work out your salvation. And if we would ever want to measure our spiritual maturity, it would, be, it would be this. How much of what God has already done in me is flowing out of me? Is, 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 is when life happens, when, when, when the pressures come, when, when like you in your workspace or in your family space or in your uncomfortable space, when you get squeezed, what comes out? What are the fruit that comes out? Is it the fruit of your salvation? Is it the fruit of the gospel? Is it the fruit of what Jesus Christ has already done in us? Or is it still the old? And our spiritual maturity is measured by that. What comes out when we are squeezed? And he's inviting us to grow in spiritual maturity. He's inviting us to grow in, in manifesting the new life which we have received. And then he says something that's only nogal lekker gewees dat sy so of daar gestop het, work out your salvation. But now he goes on and he says, in fear and trembling. And, and the, the Amplified says it so well. Trem, trembling. In fear and trembling. Self-distrust with serious caution. Tenderness of conscience. Watchfulness against temptation. Timidly shrinking back from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Let me read it again. Self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking back from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. 
So he's saying, you go and you work out your salvation. You work out what God is already saying, doing in you. You work out, but always remember, it's not you. It's not what you so old is. Even Jesus said this about himself. He says, I can do nothing apart from the Father. When he laid down his divine privileges, when he laid down his glory, his, his, his power, he was 100% dependent on God when he walked on earth. He says in John 17, he prays, he says, Father, I have now done what you have sent me to do. I have glorified your name. Now please, would you give my glory back? I've glorified your name. Please glorify me. And then he goes on and he says, the glory which you give me, I give to them. I give to those who come into covenant with me. So that they can continue to glorify you on earth the way that I glorified you on earth. And then I pray for oneness, Father. Because we can only glorify God if we are one. One with Him and one amongst ourselves. And this is what He's fighting for with the Philippians. He's fighting that they will get back to their oneness. And we will just see just now why this is so important. So never, 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 and I think this is, this is the, probably the reason for their quarrels, the reason for their disunity is probably this one thing. That is why he makes a point and he says, work out your salvation in self-distrust. He says, because some of you think that you are getting it right and looking down on your noses on those who aren't. And it's the one thing that we should guard against all, all, all the time. Is elevating yourself above someone else because you think I'm getting it and he's not. Because there's nothing that the enemy uses more easily than pride to bring this unity. Nothing. I think it's probably the thing that we are most susceptible to is spiritual pride. And it is so subtle that it presents itself so easily in false humility. Oh. I'm not going to say anything. Let the Lord speak to you (laughs) about that. But then he goes on and he says, it's not you. I find... I've honestly found power in the thought that my spiritual maturity is, it depends on God. (laughs) It depends on how, what He is doing in me and what He is doing with me. It doesn't nullify me. I'm going to go into that now. Okay, so we are... uh, Verse 13, for God is, say God is, God is working in you, 
God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. They can't even feel good about wanting to do something good. I'm not at all saying that we should feel bad all the time. But what I'm seeing and experiencing right now is the massive difference of how we are wired to feel good about doing good things. Ek weet nie, ons word geprogram. Nee? Soos, ek program my kinders. If they do good things, I, I reward them. And I say, wow man, thank you. Voor ochend, ons het gedoen. Anne Bellekie, wat soos, ek praat elke week van haar, like my. Who, who is like the late sleeper and she doesn't want to get up. This morning she was first with everything. She came first down for breakfast. She had a bed made up first. She had like, and we praised her in front of the other two. Wow, jy was eerste vandag. And we like, and obviously this, het en al opgewek. Wow man, jy sê, jy gaan het weer doen. And, and, what, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. So we, like, stimulus and response time, type of one thing. Ne? So we get trained that we feel good when we do good. But when I look at the life of Jesus, there was something else that drove him. And it was never, 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 ever the cheers of man. It was never, ever somebody saying to him, well done, you had a good job. Like it was never somebody saying, well, yes, man, you are just the best. He lived for one thing, and that's pleasing God. And being obedient to God did such a wonderful thing in him that he literally said that after I've done the will of God, I don't even need to eat because I'm revitalized. John 4. He goes and he's obedient by putting himself in a difficult situation. He's not supposed to speak to that woman. He's not supposed to speak uh, even to a, a Samaritan. So he's speaking, breaking two laws. but being obedient to God. So terwijl hy met hy vrou gepraat het, en hy vraag vir haar, can I drink from your cup? Ek het nie beker gebring, en kan jy vir my een beker gee, asjeblief. They don't even drink, they don't even share the same cutlery. Dis hoe slecht het al gegaan het. So, if a Pharisee came up there, terwijl Jesus met hy ou gepraat het, dit sou verskrikkelijk gewees het. They would have taken him apart. But when all is said and done and everyone is gone, the disciples went to buy lunch. They brought the lunch back. He said, he's a broekie. He said, I'm not I don't want it anymore. Because I have food that you know nothing of. My food is to do the will of the Father. So we are trained in one way to, to uh, nourish ourselves with the praise of man and with, with feeling good 
tapping ourselves on the shoulder, yes man, ek doen dit, ek gee soveel tiende, ek, ek do, is goed vir ander mense, ek het een sop kom buis, ek soos in stop by die stopstraat. <laughs> Groe ding na my weer. It's only a suggestion. Nee, Annikie. <laughs> ek het jou pout gezien. <laughs> Sorry. Ek het het glad nie eens tot na die tyd, tot jy gelag het, ek nie eens besef wat ek sê nie. Um, is van hier af. <laughs> okay. So it is God who gives us the desire to do good. If only we knew how wretched we would be without him. It is God who gives us the desire to good and the power, the grace, the enabling power. And He has given us that in Jesus Christ. He has given us that in the Holy Spirit who now lives in us and who works in us and from us. But then there's a third thing that we need. And that is we need to take responsibility. So if God is working the desire in us and He's giving us the power, it is up to us to respond to it. And for the first time when I was like doing this, I was thinking of how close the link is between response and responsibility. We have to respond to what God is working in us. And we have to respond to the power that He has given us. And when we respond to it, we manifest what God has done in us. We manifest our salvation. We work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And that is the definition of the, 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 what it looks like to be under His rule. To be under the authority of God means to respond to what He is working in you. It means to respond to what He has given you. It means to respond even to the authority that He has given you. And the very importance that I feel I should bring up, and it's something that we read in this book about uh, the fear of the Lord, is... We cannot even do good. Or we should, yeah. Even if we do good outside of what the Lord is working in us, it will not lead to life. Where would I say? Because only something that is authorized by God will lead to life. Because even the enemy will present himself as the angel of light. He will come doing good. He will come doing miracles. He will come, first on. 
So we have to walk so in step with God and so in step with the Spirit. We have to be so under His rule that even if we want to do good if we, because we've been trained, <laughs> uh, we have to make sure that this is an authority of God. This is, in the, this is under the rule of God. Okay, I can do this not park. I can not do this in Then he goes on <clears throat> and he says, do everything. Say everything. everything. What, is, what is like excluded in everything? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Full stop. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Okay, I'm just going to talk about this a little bit then we're done. As Paulus now said, do everything without complaining or arguing. That means to me, when I read that, then I also read that a lot of things that the Lord is going to ask me to do and a lot of things that I have to endure in this life and a lot of things that is related to Christian life and related to Christianity is not always going to be lacquer. Och, and I've experienced that this week as well. I'm going to put us on the spot again now. So I had an argument with my wife this week. Because we're building a home. And... Uh, managing expectations. I had an argument with my wife, and so the Lord is working in me, said, go and apologize, go and say sorry for the way that you responded. And I was thinking, I don't like being a Christian at the right now. <laughs> I don't like it that, you, that I have to submit to you. <laughs> Because just for a moment, I want to like, be angry, and I want to be hard-headed, and I want to be hard of heart, and I want to put my foot down and say, no, I will do it my way. But I don't get to do that. And the, the fact of the matter is, before the day was done, we had peace between ourselves. Because we don't get to choose to stay hard-headed or to not say sorry 
or to have it my way. Because the Lord has spoken. Because He has worked in me to soften my heart and to go and say sorry. And same. So we came, literally came to each other and we were like, we don't even know what just happened. We, we, we don't even know why this diff happened right now. So, when the Lord tells us or when, yeah, to, to do everything without grumbling or without arguing, he's, ta he's telling us that I know that life is tough. I know that to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't see things the same way. And there is not a man and a woman who doesn't see So the husband goes to his cupboard and he looks inside and he says, I've got nothing to wear because everything's in the wash. The wife goes and she opens the cupboard and she says, I've got nothing to wear because there's nothing new. <laughs> That's not, that's not a grap. <laughs> but it's the way that we see and do things differently in every single relationship. So there will be times when the Lord is asking us to put someone else ahead of you. There will be times when He's asking you to sacrifice something that you value. There will be times that He's asking you to, to give up a dream. Or He's asking you to, to give up, lay down your life. And that is the way of Jesus. That's the way of God. And if we ever joined, I'm using the word joined, not correctly, uh, Christianity, because we think that this is our ticket to, to a life that is blessed, just full of all the good things in life, and that, that, that there is, and that you're wrong. It's a life that is full of the Lord asking you from the beginning to the end to have the same attitude Christ had. Esteeming others higher than yourself. Putting yourself second. Putting yourself in a position of humility and service. Then he's, there's another so that. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. And I want to go to the Amplified again. Uh, so that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless. Show yourselves. Do you know that Christians like ons, we ons word watch, ne? Who's ever experienced that people are like watching you? People can't wait to say, how can you call yourself a Christian? People can't wait to like, just see what you're doing wrong so that they can say, that is why I don't become a Christian. So that you can show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God. Children of God as opposed to children of this world. Which is equal to the prince of this world in John, which is Satan. 
See, there needs to be a difference between the way that children of God work out their lives and the way that the children of the world work out their lives. There must be a difference. So that you can be innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish, faultless and unrebukable in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars and beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. That's the goal of working out your salvation. So that the world can see God. So that the world can see who God is. So that the world can see who your daddy is. Once again, Jesus was the example. So the disciples asked him, show us the Father. And I think he is also so moedig in that time. I think he had said, yes man, I am also long by you, that you have not the Father seen. I think when they asked him, show them the Father, like he said, he said, I've been with you so long. And still you're asking me to show you the Father. Whoever has seen the Father has seen me. Can we say that? Can we say that, that we're working out what God has done in us, that we're working out our sonship, our childship, in such a way that when someone has been with us, Say, oh, I, I can see, I can see the Father. I can see God. You are a walking testimony of God. Verse 16, holding out to the world and offering to all men the word of life. And here is the problem. I think, with the Philippians. That Paul sent them and he planted a church there in this very strategic place because Jesus said, go out into all the world and make disciples of everyone. And it's like a strategic thing. So all the world is going through this down. What if I can plant a church right, right there that can represent God in such a way that when people go through this town, they leave with God? That if people go through this town and they go to the marketplace, they see how, how they're relating to one another. They see how they're in unity. They see how they're in love. They see how they are submitted to God. People going out and, and literally being the hands and feet of Jesus. That when someone comes into town thinking that he's buying something, he goes and he has bought God. Bought into God, let me rather say. And now they've got all this striving and things going on because there's spiritual uh, pride and things like that going on. And now he's saying, guys, you aren't a good testimony to the gospel. You cannot present the word of God to somebody because your lives aren't reflecting it. When people look at the church of Philippi, they're not finding reason to follow God. 
And my prayer is maybe that we, as a church, represent a place where people who come in touch with us in any way or any means, whether it is at our businesses, whether it's wherever we go, that they will not say, oh, I want to join that church. Say, oh, when I'm with them, I get to know God. I get to know the Father. I get a great and a better picture of who God is. I experience His love. Because as they love one another, that is the picture of how God loves us. Everything we do. I wanted to read 1 Timothy, but I'm on status now. Everything that you do should be with this one purpose. Paul writes to Timothy. He says that people must come to God and have no reason to reject the gospel. Do not give anybody any reason to reject the gospel. And then he ends off and he says, I want you to share my joy. And I want to share in your joy. So he has now just given them quite a bit of a hard lashing. He has now just boys, you make this cut, you don't have unity, you don't like it like Jesus. You don't grumble and you murmur and sorry for the Afrikaans. He says, but I'm not telling you all of this to put a bigger burden on you. I'm telling you this because out of this will come a lot of joy for you. I'm telling you this because when you find yourself and when you start working out your salvation, when you bring yourself under God's rulership, when you bring yourself under His authority, and when you start experiencing the unity that Christ gave His life for, and when you start experiencing real church, when you start experiencing that you are giving yourself to others, it is not a burden. It creates joy. It creates life within you. You will start experiencing real life. Not the life that the world gives. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You will start experiencing His joy in you. And that is why I'm putting this to you. And may we also see it this way. That every instruction of the word, every correction, everything that the word brings is not for the purpose of putting a burden on us. Jesus said, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, it becomes a burden when we read it and when we take it with a religious mindset. When we take it as laws and as, 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 as weight and all that. But when we take it through the lens, like what we started with, that God has already given us this. He's already worked this in me. He's already given me and empowered me to live out this. Then thank you, Jesus. Now I will devote myself. I will work hard to work out my salvation. To bring that out which you have given in me. I will start renewing my mind. I will start changing my mind and I will start thanking you 
when I'm in a difficult, and honestly, I speak not very good, I'm experiencing this. When I know that someone is cursing me and talking behind me and, and all that kind of stuff, I don't go and I grumble and say, Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, Lord, please bless those people. Bless them for first time. And I experience my gemoed for ander. This is true. <laughs> this is true. This is life-giving truth. So let us receive that and accept that. The principle in this is real life joy and real life experience and what Jesus wants to give us comes from a place of obedience and submission to Him. Putting yourself last. Taking the role of lifting others up will physically lift you up. And we go back to the beginning of Philippians 2. Therefore, after He's given Himself, He's put Himself down. Therefore, God elevated him. And in the same way, he will elevate us. Not, maybe not physically. May, you won't become a king or a whatever. You won't have the biggest car or the biggest house. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're living for. But he will lift you up. So that you will experience working out the salvation that you are seated with him in heavenly places. That you will experience heaven on earth. So that Makisak, what gebeur rondom jou hier binnen in jou? You have life that can never be taken away, never be stolen from you. All right, I can't Let's go. Close. Father, once again, your salvation plan, what you have done in Jesus, what you have done through Jesus, what you have done through us or through him for us, is too marvelous, Lord, to comprehend, too marvelous to even speak out, too marvelous to fully understand we just thank you this morning Lord for this marvelous mystery which is Jesus Christ Christ crucified so that we can be children of God and not children of this world so that we can be the ones through whom you desire and give the power to do according to your great pleasure. Thank you that you have given us the ability to want to do your will and the ability to physically do it, Lord. And we just want to come and take responsibility now, Lord. We come and respond to you. We come and respond to what you have given us. We come and respond to what you have placed in us. And Lord, I, I take a step up, Lord, and I say, I respond to you. I will take responsibility to work out what you have put inside of me to work out my salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are marvelous. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Bless you. Daar is tea in coffee, in biscuit. And uh, yeah, may you be blessed. Can you please help me stool and I can't sit till I'm going school. physically, you won't become a king or a whatever. You won't have the biggest car or the biggest house. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're living for. But he will lift you up. 
so that you will experience working out the salvation that you are seated with Him in heavenly places. That you will experience heaven on earth so that maak jy saak wat gebeur rondom jou en hier binnen in jou. You have life that can never be taken away, never be stolen from you. Alright, ek kan vir eeuwig aangaan, so let's go. Close. Father, once again, your salvation plan, what you have done in Jesus, what you have done through Jesus, what you have done through us, or through him for us, is too marvelous, Lord, to comprehend, too marvelous to even speak out, too marvelous to fully understand. We just thank you this morning, Lord, for this marvelous mystery, which is Jesus Christ. Christ crucified so that we can be children of God and not children of this world. So that we can be the ones through whom you desire and give the power to do according to your great pleasure. Thank you that you have given us the ability to want to do your will and the ability to physically do it, Lord. And we just want to come and take responsibility now, Lord. We come and respond to you. We come and respond to what you have given us. We come and respond to what you have placed in us. And Lord, I, I take a step up, Lord, and I say, I respond to you. I will take responsibility to work out what you have put inside of me, to work out my salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are marvelous. Amen.